Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael and I'm here tonight with two special guest co-hosts and we are going to do our 2019 year-end extravaganza that will come out mid to late January 2020. Life happens, uh, but the idea here is at least right at the end of 2019, Things were not looking great around the world. There's there's some things happening that uh, it's got a lot of people on edge. So we wanted to try our best to celebrate some of the positives. So this is going to be a very positive, everything, happy-go-lucky, things-we-love show. Each of us are going to present three things from 2019 that we loved. Maybe we have the option, I don't know if everyone came to the table with one, a best of the decade. And then we're all going to talk about at least one thing that we're looking forward to in 2020. Um, Again, these are all things that we love. So with me tonight is Chris from the Redemption Podcast. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. And then virtual screens below him uh, is Tom. Tom, say hello to everyone. How's it going, folks? Excellent. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. I I know between the three of us, I think we had two of three of us had to cancel the first time we scheduled this. So I don't even remember who was to blame. So I'll assume it was me. Yes, we will all assume it is Michael. Always assume it's me. Uh, So I'll start with you, Chris. What is the first thing from 2019 that you want to talk about that you love? I want to talk about the Netflix show. It's actually originally a BBC show called Ripper Street. Ooh. This is new. This is new. I've not heard of this. Uh, yeah, we neither one of us have had no what anyone else is going to say. This will all be new to everyone. I've never heard of Ripper Street. Tell me why I should love it. It does the best job of any show I've ever seen of capturing up the time period of any show I've seen. It's right after Jack the Ripper stopped doing his business. It's set in Whitechapel in England. They have great costuming. The scenes are set really well. The streets are all very narrow and very dirty and very short. And it truly puts me, whenever I watch it, in the feeling like I'm there. Is this a, you said, is it BBC? Yes. Originally it was BBC. Was this a masterpiece mystery at all? I don't think so. It is set around a police station that's in Whitechapel and how they investigate crimes. And there's some other characters involved. I will tell you the biggest thing that I experienced on this show, the emotional roller coaster that they put me on, the highs and lows. I've never seen a show that's hit me as hard as this one. And they had a villain on this show, the way they built him up and what he did. I almost stopped watching it because I felt myself rooting for his demise so much. Ooh, okay. So is this like sort of like a law and order? It's like procedural, but it's set in 1800s London? Uh, not quite as nice as law and order because <laughs> they, they do show the crime scenes. They do go into uh, how autopsies were done back then, kind of starting off. Mm-hmm. The cops in the show are also not as nice as law and order. It's not, hey, sit down. Would you like, a, would you like your lawyer? Would you, are you thirsty? It's, you know, Michael, you're going to tell me what I want to know. And if you say no... They just slap you. <laughs> it's very realistic to the time period. Okay. So, question for you then. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, do you watch a lot of it? Do you watch a lot of other BBC shows? That was the first one that I've really watched. Okay. That I can think of. No. Okay. No, because I was just curious because it's really, I'm definitely going to check it out because my wife and myself, we watch a lot of BBC shows, but I've never actually. I heard of that one so i'm very interested to check it out because bbc is known for having like a lot of the same actors in a lot of their shows so i think this will be an interesting one to check out the only actor i recognized he played the character brawn on game of thrones that's the only known character or actor that i've known okay all right i'm interested the show hooked me and that villain especially hooked me so much that I actually ran a Shadow of the Demon Lord game with some friends. And I told them, I'm going to introduce a villain right off the bat. And within 20 to 30 minutes of gaming, you're going to hate this villain. Hmm. And I put them through the same thing the show did. And after about 45 minutes, they all looked at me and went, 
Uh, all right. We need a break. This got heavy. This got very intense. We truly do want to hunt this villain down. And they were all playing commoners. One of them was a baker. Another one was a blacksmith. Another one was a uh, street preacher. Like, I started them off at zero level and made them go figure out this murder mystery. And it went so well, they actually asked if we can continue playing it. Originally, it was just supposed to be a one-shot. Continuing the long, proud tradition of liberally stealing plots from TV shows or movies or books, put them into RPGs. I like it. Ah, absolutely. Sounds cool. And it's called Ripper Street? Yep. Uh, Don't watch it with the kids. It's the only thing I would say. So definitely not a PG-13 vibe, more of an NC-17 vibe? Yeah. Hard R, maybe? Uh, More R, just because of, like I said, they go to some crime scenes and language is a little rough. But again, it really puts you in that time period. They really capture what people were doing in that time period. I mean, there's a ton of people that are on the streets working because they don't have money to even get a bed for the night. Mm -hmm. So they show what they were doing just to earn money. And I did a little research because I was curious how close it was. And they were pretty spot on from what I can tell. I'm not a historian. Sure. Mind, that's just me Googling right. things. Yeah, I've listened to a few podcasts. My wife's kind of a true crime aficionado. And um, so Jack the Ripper, and obviously Jack the Ripper, widely known. It's, uh, again, I don't want to get too far into it, what they actually did and what people believe. But it's been a, a mystery that has endured for, you know, what, 200 years at this point? Yeah. Uh, something like that Uh, there's a lot of desire to examine that point in history and it was a very difficult time for a lot of people particularly in Whitechapel which is probably why he chose that for his target Uh, prostitution and syphilis everywhere Uh, yeah kind of crazy all right well thank you very much for sharing your first one Uh, I'm going to go next and we'll we'll kind of rotate as we cycle through because my first one is also a tv show Oh, you, okay. You better not. We, I'm, I'm, we have to have crossover on here at some point. Tom already knows what I'm going to say, except maybe he doesn't, because I'm not going to say The Mandalorian, though I love that show. Oh. I'm going to say Watchmen, because, again, I have talked about that oh, show endlessly. It is head and shoulders above any other TV show that I watched in 2019. I I. Again, I cannot express how much I loved this show. Now, I I read the comic, but not when it first came out. I missed it. I, I got it probably early 2000s. Someone shared it with me. And I really liked it. I thought, this is cool. But I didn't, like, love it. It wasn't something that, you know, didn't ch- wasn't my religion. But I thought it was very well done, very evocative, and, uh, you know, kind of subversive into the traditional superhero tropes. Uh, but that was kind of the end of it. And then the movie came out from Zack Snyder. I'm apparently one of the few people who actually like that movie. I don't, I mean, I know, I guess I don't love Watchmen enough to hate that movie because I actually thought the movie was pretty good. It's probably my favorite Zack Snyder movie, though that is a low bar. <laughs> it's so low. <laughs> but I actually thought it was, you know, it was enjoyable. I liked watching it. I liked it. Uh, so I was curious about the Watchmen TV show because I didn't know much about it. Was it a reimagining was it a retelling was it a direct sequel what was this and it defied all my expectations subverted all my expectations constantly surprised me and there's one episode in particular and again i don't want to spoil it but uh, one of the characters the contemporary characters is able to relive memories of a character from the comic and the way they filmed this was incredibly just i mean i think there should be like technological awards for the show what they did how they did it was just constantly flabbergasted uh so i harped on this many many times on different shows but i again i cannot express enough if you have any interest whatsoever in watchmen and even if you don't go watch this show it is top to bottom left to right incredible is it so okay so the watchman show it, oh, a conversation about the watchman show cannot be had without talking about lube man yes okay excuse me so yes okay so i haven't watched the show all right i in i've i like the watchman i've just i this show just hasn't really interests me but i've read all the think pieces about it and i feel like half of them are all about 
some character that is called Lube Man. And so, yeah. Chris, let me, let me, maybe Michael, what would you, how would you describe Lube Man? Because it's a very minor character, but it has captured the, the zeitgeist in conversation around the Watchmen show. So, I think, again, to try to test a little bit into RPGs, Lube Man was supposed to be this weird, quirky NPC who only showed up for a brief moment, but the players latch onto and want to make important. Now, the show was already filmed, so they couldn't actually change anything. So in the show, Lube Man shows up. He's on screen for maybe 15 seconds. That's it. But yes, Lube Man was definitely part of the conversation. Show stealer. So the the main character is played by Regina King. Um, she is doing something that she doesn't want other people to know that she's doing. She's trying to be um, stealthy. And she just, and, and so this is, again, not giving too much away. This is 30 years after the events that happen in the comic. So, so the movie follows the comic pretty closely. There's a big change at the end. This follows the comic version of the end, if that means anything to you or anyone listening. So it's been 30 years since the end of the comic. Um, so we, this is a world where Dr. Manhattan exists. All the things that happen in the comic exist. So they have outlawed vigilantes. You're not allowed to be a mass vigilante anymore. That's completely outlawed. But in the town where the, 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 the majority of the show is set, uh, there was a law passed where police officers are allowed to wear masks because there was an event where a bunch of police officers were targeted and essentially armed people broke into their homes, killed them and their family. So as a way to give the police some anonymity so that they can't be targeted because of their job, um, they are able to wear masks and hide their identity. Um, so again, no, really no vigilantes anymore. There are some, but they're outlawed. So the main character is doing something she doesn't want to be seen doing. She just sort of like gets this, you know, I feel like I've been watched, looks around, and there's this character who doesn't speak and is not, you know, described in any way. It's, it's a tall, skinny male figure wearing a, a bodysuit that's almost like those, you know, those green monster human being bodysuits that people it's sometimes a, wear. It's a morph, a morph suit. A morph suit, but it's solid silver, almost speckly silver. And... Uh, the character has like almost like a utility belt. It's like a black policeman's belt, but that's it. And like, I think it's blue maybe, but there's some kind of goggles. And just sort of like doing this like weird, almost like, you know, bird, featherless, like looking at her, like all kind of crazy. So she's like, who the hell are you? And starts chasing him. So he starts running away from her. And as they're running from his his police belt, his bat uh, utility belt, he pulls these two bottles that look like uh, just like uh, kitchen vinegar top bottles, like little squeeze bottles, and just starts squeezing himself with this clear liquid. And then the, the, the camera cuts so that you're behind him, and he's running towards a, like a drain pipe, um, or kind of like in the, in the movie It, where the little kid gets eaten by, by the clown the first time, so it's just like a little, uh, mm -hmm. I, don't, I, don't know, I can't think of what it's called, where the water goes off, the, off a roadside. And the guy just sort of like, slides like he slides into home base and tilts his head back and because he's so lubed up now he just slides like 15 feet and just goes feet first and just disappears down into this sewer and is never seen or heard from again that's the entirety of that character on the show never explained we don't know who it is they don't come back that's it that's, that's it Lubman. and i have not watched the watchman but i was intrigued and so i read some about it that's not even special effects. This guy actually did this, lubed himself up and ran through here. And talk about some skills, you know. <laughs> Props to this person. I know I know what Tom's doing at a catacomb next year. <laughs> That's right. We're, it's time to cosplay. Yes. But please do me a favor. Someone, anyone, if not you too, please someone go watch this show. It is just incredible. To try to loosely tie it to RPGs, I like the idea that this is a campaign that is a legacy campaign. So we, we play a campaign, some of our characters live, some of them die at the end, and we start a new campaign with a different DM, 
but we set it in the same world that our previous players were in, but we set it sometime in the future. So some of the exploits of our previous campaign flavor and color this world, but there's not a lot of direct connection except for one of the surviving characters who's, let's just say like a really high level wizard, happens to show up at some point in the, uh, in the new campaign and do some things that are, that are interesting. Yeah, I think, I think that's close enough. Tom, tell us something you loved this year. I also love this show. And <laughs> I suspect that a lot of people, I suspect that you two also love this show, but I don't want to presume. But the show that I loved was The Mandalorian. I haven't, I haven't heard right? of it. What's it about? No, it's actually, it's a really cool show, Michael. You should definitely check it out. It's about this thing. All right. So, no. Anyway, we talked about this when it was first announced, um, like back in 2018. And I was very excited for the show. And I was like, there is, so I was already sold. And I was like, so there is no way that this show was going to, I was ever going to be disappointed with this show because you could just throw in some Mandalorians and I'll be like, yeah, that's the best thing in the world. And just seeing them walk around. And so I ate all of it up. And then some people complained, you know, about some middle episodes. They're like, oh, I don't like these like one-off kind of plot stories. Let's move everything along. And I'm like, this is what I want from this show. I want these small Star Wars stories that really just kind of capture the essence of the people living in the galaxy. And then Baby Yoda, come on. You all have to admit, Baby Yoda is the pop culture pinnacle of 2019. Am I wrong? No, it, it, it almost makes me a little bit angry because I feel like Baby Yoda is part of the reason why Watchmen didn't get more exposure because Baby, Baby Yoda dominated the world as soon as they were revealed. Though it is a really cute puppet and I love it and I will die to protect it. That's right. It's so good. It is a very good show and I am so excited for the next season. I, it cannot come soon enough. I'm also a big fan of Clone Wars and Rebels, so all the tying in of all the lore from those shows was very cool. It, but yes, it made my heart sing. So, But I did have a question for Chris. So Chris, all right, so with the Redemption podcast, mm-hmm. so what were your thoughts on this show? Oh, I don't know if we have enough time. Oh, no, no, just, just briefly. Give me, give, me your, give me your highlights. Give me your highlights. I really wanted a show that had no Force users. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That is totally fair. I get what you're saying. And hey. as cute as Baby Yoda is, he's way overpowered. He's way overpowered. <laughs> like that, all the so force move stuff he was doing and the force healing, no other Jedi could really do that when they were that young. They had to learn how to do it. So that, that irked me a touch. I really wanted a whole lot more backstory on the Mandalorian and the clans. And I hope that's gotcha. what they do a season two. Because they yes. showed them. They teased me, then they jumped over to other stuff. Oh, they gave, yeah, exactly. I'm thinking it's definitely coming in season two. I totally get what you're saying, though, about the Force user. At first, I definitely, when Baby Yoda raised his hand and used the Force, I was definitely, okay, why are they using the Force? But then I quickly forgave them for that and (laughs) just went along for it. But I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch season two. I enjoy it. I'm just not quite as wowed as other people. And that might just be me being a little critical of some of the stuff that's in there. And I I think part of it is I was expecting something a little different. Not expecting, hoping for something a little different. But I mean, even expecting is a a realistic and fine comment. Because I think a lot of times when we're disappointed in media, it's because we expect one thing. We get our hopes up. We you know, fan fiction in our head, what this is going to be about. And then when, when we don't have those expectations met, there's a bit of a sour. And, you know, sometimes you can get over that through repeated viewings or a little bit of time and distance and come to appreciate things more. And then sometimes it just never, never turns around. And I would cite Last Jedi for half the world and Rise of Skywalker for the other half. I think that's a big reason why both those movies are liked or disliked by the Apparently, the fifty percent of Star Wars fans who like or love or love or hate them. Yeah. So we're we're saying that people's opinions vary on Star Wars. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they're very strongly held. 
Yes. True. No, so one of the things, the last thing I wanted to say about this is the way I kind of judge a TV show is if it has episodes where I want to rewatch them. So, like, for example, The the Office and Parks and Recreation. We rewatch those all the time. But this, so episode three of The Mandalorian, it's the one where all the Mandalorians come in, mm-hmm. help, and it's, Oh, it's just, I've watched that episode so many times because it's just so satisfying and so entertaining. And so, because I want to rewatch it, to me, that means it's, I enjoy it. Yeah, we re- actually rewatched episode five and six just before we started recording because my kids have not watched the last few, but they really like the show. Yeah. They just, you know, they get busy doing the other things. So, if I say we're going to watch Mandalorian, they'll drop whatever and come watch it. But if I don't say anything, then they just kind of do their own thing. Uh, <laughs> episode five is my least favorite. I, don't care for that one at all. The gunslinger one, mm, okay. I that one feels completely like we need another episode. I don't think it does anything to advance the story or make me feel any bit different about the characters. Having said that, I think episodes six, seven, and eight are amazing. Yep, I agree. And there are some great things they did in the show. I love the fact that his armor actually works. Yes, yeah. I mean oh, stormtroopers. You give them a paper cut and they fall down <laughs> <Yeah>. dead. <laughs> So good. Yeah. Bezcar finally has its place in the Star Wars universe that it deserves. And I think, again, to tie it loosely to RPGs, this would be, it's a great solo campaign with an NPC ally, DMP, DMPC basically controlled by the DM as Baby Yoda, who's, you know, maybe a bit overpowered because they find humor in getting them to do those things. So the yeah. DM's like, I'll force Ilya. See, and I saw it as an RPG that you and let's say your close friend or spouse are playing, but you have a few other friends you're trying to introduce to role-playing. So you have other episodes where like, here, play this X, uh, oh, what was she? It's drop Trooper or whatever yeah, they called shock, her. Shock Trooper. Shock Trooper, thank you. And, you know, you had the Ugnot, you know, those are characters that you could throw in for somebody who's new. I have spoken. Yes. <laughs> so good. All right. So I, I will start the second round. I'm once again going to go to mass media and I'm going to talk about Avengers Endgame. Oh, that feels like such a long time ago. It does. It feels it was early in 2019. So it feels like forever ago. So here's the thing. Originally, I had written down Spider-Verse, but it actually came out December 18th. So technically it came out in 2018, but Spider-Verse would have been my choice over Endgame if they were in the same year. I Spider-Verse, I think, is just a remarkable achievement. Agreed. But Endgame works for me. I know it seems like it's starting to turn and a lot of people are starting to get like, you know, it, it's become cool to talk about how the Marvel movies are suck. suck. I don't know. I'm a straight white dude. That probably plays into it. But I'm also a longtime comics nerd. I've been reading comics since I was a little kid. And I've always loved Marvel. I read DC. I don't hate DC. But Marvel was my comic of choice. And to finally see these movies doing so well. when I, I lived through the dark times. I lived through the... Hulk versus Thor with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno yes. um, and the Daredevil version of that. And I saw the the first Punisher with uh, Dolph Lundgren, which wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good. Mm. Um, those awful Spider-Man movies in the 70s where he didn't do anything Spider-Man like. I lived through all of that. To, so to see Iron Man is it, it's like I can't even express what that meant to me. I think Iron Man is quite possibly a perfect movie. I've, I've probably watched that movie, no exaggeration, 18 times. And I will, if it's on right now, I'll just stop whatever I'm doing and I, I will watch it. I think it is just pure, perfect popcorn cinema. It's not high art. It didn't change my life other than it made me happy for an hour and you know 40 minutes every time I watch it. But to see the Marvel Cinematic Universe come together, there are some ups and there are some downs, certainly. But I think it is remarkable that after 10 years and 23 interconnected movies that Endgame works on any level is something that should be acknowledged and it does work it's 
it's not a complete movie because you kind of have to watch Infinity War and Endgame together. And if that's a problem, I know some people care. I don't. I have absolutely no problem with the fact that it kind of starts, you know, there's like that weird cut between them. It just, it absolutely works for me. And I laugh every time I watch it. I cry my eyes out every time I gets to the, the scene where the thing happens. Uh, but absolutely, I, I'm in the bag for Marvel forever. And I love those movies dearly. I'm with you. I loved it too. It was very good. It was very satisfying. It was a, it's definitely, it, it closed everything out very well. And I loved it. And being a huge Captain America fan, I could not ask for a better movie. Just, I felt like it captured his, his arc, tied it off with a, a, a very nice bow and then opened things up for future stories with other characters in the shield. And I absolutely, I dug it. So, Loved it. yes, it's a good right. choice. So, Tom, what is your second favorite from 2019? So, this is going to be directly tied to tabletop because, all right, all right this is my home game, all right? So, we have been now playing our long-term campaign. We, are, we just did session 23 yesterday. We play every other week and it's been some weeks where we've missed but so we've been playing now for over a year and so but we've really hit our stride this year we've done longer campaigns but this was the first like true sandbox game and we're running we're playing faith by burning game so it's this science fiction very space opera kind of setting and because we wanted to do a sandbox game. It started off a little rough where we were kind of just figuring out what we were trying to do. But right about session 11, everybody kind of hit their stride and knew where they wanted their character arc to go. And now we're nearing the end of the campaign and seeing my player's character arcs like come to fulfillment. And it's just this really epic and it's this really, it's this really cool story that we're all really loving and whenever we get around the table we're all really invested in each other's stories because we've seen these characters for such a long time and so i just i've had such a great time with my home game this year it's just been a blast awesome so i I just i I wish that i know it's so hard for people to have i'm definitely very i feel very lucky to have a group of players who can be there every other week and be consistent and they're invested in the game i know a lot of people don't have that opportunity but if there is anything that i can say people to do if you ever get a chance to really just do a long-term sandbox game where you could really create and shape the world it is a it's a great experience so i do have a question for you um growing up when i did started playing role-playing games when i did generally we would start a new campaign and the idea is this would be a campaign that we would play forever there was no end in sight and then it only ended when all the characters died or as the dm just got bored and wanted to do a new one and so we would constantly start forever campaigns never finishing them so you said you're coming to the end was this a planned from the beginning there would be so many episodes or so many you know sessions or like partway through did an ending sort of form like okay this is where we should end like how did you know to come to the end no so we that's a good question and so what we did was we had a session zero so everybody go ahead and take a drink take a drink so we had our session zero consisted of i have a big whiteboard and i pulled it out and i had everybody tell me what do you want in this campaign and everybody's like um i I want a heist or I want I want a planet that's a big giant city or I want a desert world. And then we said, where do we want what what kind of story beats do we want? And we set some milestones and we kind of figured out what's the end. So in this world of faith, the earth is kind of long lost. Nobody knows where it is. It's gone. All right. So our end goal was our players were going to find earth. So this entire campaign has been them going out, finding pieces of star maps, going to find ancient alien dig sites to find clues to where Earth may be. And so now we're getting to the point where they they almost have all the information they need to get to Earth. So that's we it's a now a mad dash to get there before some other the, the, the basically the bad guys get to it. So, yeah, we definitely we had our end goal was when you get to Earth. The game is over. 
And so now we're kind of, we've progressed that way. So yeah, we definitely, I, I think it's really cool because the, we, we, yeah, we picked our ending. We're like, what do we want the end to be? And now we've, because we know what it is, so we've, so we've slowly worked that way. We didn't know what the whole middle was going to be or how we were going to get there. But uh, we picked some milestones. We just ran with it. It really helped putting out some guideposts to kind of influence and direct where people were, where's, where their role playing was going to go. See, I find that like refreshing. And it's something that I would encourage people to do, but it's not something that I have done a lot, again, growing up when I did and how I, how I played. The idea of collaborating with the players that early and setting those sort of milestones and guideposts and even goalposts seems anathema to how I was taught to run games. That it was like, I, it was my world, my story, and the players uncover it inch by inch as, I, as they work through it. I I love that you were able to do that. I'm so jealous that it has worked out and I'm excited to hear how it finally ultimately uh ends and I would you know remind anyone listening we did a trial of faith. It was one of the first trials we ever did when Burning Games was still in the process of developing it. So you can listen to us playing that game in an early it was like it wasn't like early beta but it was also not the finished product. Uh it's a card-based uh sci-fi RPG and it sounds really cool to play. It's something I wouldn't mind playing a few sessions of, like a mini art campaign. Uh, yeah, it's Chris, definitely. Did, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, definitely check the system out because in its it, its its finished product is one of the most gorgeous, well written RPG systems we've ever played. Chris, are you familiar at all with Faith? Have you seen any of it? I have not played it. Sounds fun. It's a good time. So yeah, that is my second one. My home game. All right, Chris. My second one, I'm going to throw a movie out there. And uh, half the people are going to go yay. The other half are going to go boo. Because I loved Rise of Skywalker. Yay. I did. Part of the reason I loved it, episode seven, I made some predictions that came true in episode nine. Okay. And I patted myself on the back in the theater going, oh, I knew that guy was going to come back. See? I knew that guy wasn't really powerful, and I didn't say that because my wife would have probably punched me in the theater and told me to <laughs> shut up, but I patted myself on the back. So that was a lot of fun. I loved how they tied episodes seven and eight and nine all together. I felt like it was a complete trilogy. They ended it well, and I really enjoyed it. I wasn't the biggest fan of episode eight. I thought there were some big holes in it, but I think they fixed those holes in episode nine. Yeah, it was definitely, it was, and I love the movie too. And now I've thought about the movie and I'm not going to say that it's like, I'm not, I'm never, I'm not going to say this is critically a very good movie. But the thing is, I feel like it's a good Star Wars movie and yes. I enjoyed it. And so with that in mind, I'm like, if I enjoyed a movie to me, that's a good movie. Yeah. Cause it's at the end of the day, it's just about, having having fun and being entertained absolutely so i'll say that the parts that i loved i really loved yes and overall i liked it it was it was net positive for me but like i i think force awakens it it reignited my love of star wars i I don't care if it's a new hope part two it worked for me on every level i loved last jedi Again, last year I had some has some really low parts, but the parts that are great are so good to me that they completely overshadow that. And Rise of Skywalker is very similar. The parts that I loved, I really loved. The parts I didn't care about were like, yeah, I could I could have done without that. But overall, I'm glad I watched it. Probably will watch it again. I'm sure I'll own it at some point in time. But I'm also excited to see what comes next. Yeah. Uh, it's such such a satisfying movie. The the rumor is they're going Knights of the Old Republic era. I've heard that. I can't. I can't confirm it. I don't have any control of it. But that's the rumor I heard. You know what? We're going to confirm it. Come at us, internet. It's not so Republic. It. Nick You've heard it here first, folks. You've, that's right. We yeah. have broken this story wide open. Yeah, Disney, come at us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's Tom. What's so up? So you get to go first now on the third loop. Okay. So my third one is going to be a comic book. And that comic book is Batman. Okay, so for the last four years, Tom King, in my opinion, the greatest 
author of comic books right now is he, he's been writing Batman for four years and it's been a completely different take on Batman. It's been all about breaking down who Batman is and then allowing Batman to just figure figure this out and have the confidence that he needs to actually take control of Gotham and make it what he needs it to be. And it it ended. So it's, he did an 85-issue run of Batman that ended this year. And that long of a run is unprecedented in today's comic book market. It's just people, authors don't do long runs, at least for the big two, Marvel and DC, because they're always cycling stuff off. They're always canceling books, making new books based on what the market is doing. It's very reactionary. But they allowed Tom King to stay on Batman for such a long time. And it was just such a satisfying story. There was all the, I'm sure you all have heard where there was two years ago where he almost got married to Catwoman. It was the kind of the big thing where it was the big DC faked everybody out because he really didn't get married to Catwoman. But the whole story has been Batman and Catwoman's relationship. And it was just such a good story. I loved it so much. And it's nice to see something end when it's it was supposed to go to 100 issues but they bumped it down to 85 but he was able to finish his story and i loved it so much yeah i have not read any of the batman books that he's written but i fairly recently got back into comics and i'm still you know hit or miss i don't read a whole lot but i read the vision that he wrote and it again was like revolutionary to me like this comic was so good and if he wrote that i can't imagine that anything he writes i wouldn't love so i'm sure at some point in time i'll get the collected works and read through it all yeah if you like the vision it is he he tells you he just does or he writes comics differently there's he writes not a lot of action so a lot of people were upset about this with batman because it's not batman always punching stuff it's batman like having these internal monologues or he'll write a whole comic that is actually the only dialogue is from a poem and then you just see batman just and how it all ties together with this piece of poetry in the comic so it's it's so good and tom king is great his vision is actually the basically the influence for the upcoming wandavision show that's going to be coming out mm-hmm. and then also he's one of the writers on the new gods movie that is currently in development with ava duverney so there he's helping write that because he wrote the mr miracle comic so big fan of tom king and his batman so good nice all right Chris, what's your third favorite from 2019? Well, mine, I'm going to go back to a TV show. And it's an older TV show. It's from 2004. Uh, I love the TV show Battlestar Galactica, the reboot. And I got interested in it because I love the Battlestar Galactica board game I have. And I wanted to see how well they tied the board game to the TV show. And they did a fantastic job. The board game and the TV show, both, every time you're a human and you start getting ahead, the plot slaps you back three steps, and you have to continually keep moving forward. And I really enjoyed that. I also love the thought that this is a campaign. I felt like this show was basically a bunch of guys playing a game, and then they wrote a script. Because every time they, again, every time they get ahead, the Game Master throws something new to blow up this section of the ship, or blow up their water, or hey, that planet you think is really Earth, it's not. It's poisoned. You can't live here. Move on. (laughs) GM intrusions if you're into Cypher system. Yeah. So Battlestar Galactica. So I've never, I've, I've played the board game. I've never watched the new show. My, but my biggest, my experience with Battlestar Galactica was when I was probably like eight or nine, my parents got the movie, the battle. They were big Battlestar Galactica fans. They mm-hmm. got the movie from the, they picked it up from the library because they saw it. They're like, oh, we're going to let kids watch this. And it terrified me. I should not have been watching this thing with these Cylons. Like, like, oh my word. I don't even know if the movie is how the movie is considered in the hierarchy of Battlestar Galactica lore or fandom, but that's the only real piece that I've experienced, and it was, it was something else. The new show takes the idea that they ended the original war with the Cylons, and they've had I can't I think it's like forty years of peace, and then all the Cylons come back. The real catch is the Cylons don't all look like just machines. A lot of them look like people. There's 13 original models, I think they said. 
and some of them are duplicates. Like they literally look like the same person just done over and over. So throughout the show, you're trying to figure out who is a Cylon and who isn't. And then there's the original five, and you're trying to figure out who the original five are because the other eight Cylons don't even know who the original five are. And they're sleeper agents, so they don't even know themselves that they're Cylons until they're activated. Yeah. So they're not like acting suspicious all the time. They're they're trying their best to save the human race, and then they're like, oh, wait, nope, kill them all. Yep. And one of the plots in there is the Cylons can't reproduce. All they can do is resurrect themselves. So part of it is some of the sleeper agents are sent there to fall in love with humans and try to learn how to reproduce. That's trippy. Because the theory is that the missing ingredient is love. Because they've got all the biological components, they just can't make it work. So you do have certain Cylons that fall in love with humans who then turn on the Cylons and become good guys. But yet they look exactly like some of the other Cylons that are bad guys. So... There are points when you're you know, doing the whole, which one do I shoot? The one that looks exactly like the other one or the one that's claiming to be this? The one with the mustache. Yeah. And it's, it's well done. Uh, last season, a little rushed on how they ended it. A uh, little confused on one of the characters, but I did some reading and figured out what they were going for. I think the writers just kind of went, we don't know how to explain it, so good luck. Yeah, it it's the end, so. Yeah. I I enjoyed it, and I've stole a couple ideas from that, and I'm going to put it in some of the games I'm running. And Michael, what's yours? So my final 2019 favorite is a Catacon. Catacon 2019 was amazing. Like I've I've always obviously enjoyed them all, but two to three years ago, they became a huge amount of stress for me. Uh, and is and while I was there, I had a lot of time or I love had a good time and loved it. And when I left, I felt great. But leading up to them, it became extremely frustrating and stressful, and it, it got overwhelming at points and times. So 2019 was a turning point where part of it's just having done it so many times. Part of it was the assistance that I got from you and Tom and other faculty members helping out and doing things to to lighten my load. Part of it was our Kickstarter did so phenomenally well that it gave us a huge like momentum and frankly money. So I wasn't constantly worried that I was going to lose money again. Everything kind of fit together in a way that made it it made it so much fun and stress free. I I cannot <laughs> cannot express it how much uh, 2019 worked for me. And I had a great time. I was there. I actually ran a few games, including my Scooby-Doo Dread. I ran a play test of a game I'm kind of fiddling with. I don't know if they'll ever anything come of it, but everyone at the table had a great time while we were playing it. I got to run, um, what is that? I think I ran Dragonspawn. I ran three things. All three of them went well. Everyone had a great time. I just, I was beaming Every single day I was there, I actually got some sleep. So it wasn't like that was a problem too. Uh, it was a completely different Acaticon. And I, again, I just hope that in the future they will be as good, if not better. So thank you both for helping doing your part because it really was a remarkable year for Acaticon. You're welcome. It was a good time. <laughs> I will say that. So Tom, is this where we tell Michael that we all got together behind his back and said, we're going to make sure he doesn't do as much work as normal. Yeah, probably. Okay. I'll let you break that to him. You know what? I'm okay with that. (laughs) It it worked great. Do it again. That's our plan. It was, it was one of those things where it really was like we saw 2018. It was a good year for us. The people who really attended a catacomb, but we all, we were like, yeah, Michael, he, yeah, he needs some he needs some less stress in his yes. life, you know. And so, no, this year was definitely I think all of us really we all stepped up and so we kind of just took on some extra things and I I had a blast. I it was it was always it's always a good time, but so who would have Michael, I you finally realized that you can have more fun at a convention when you're not stressed out. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? So, uh it again yeah. It was awesome. It was. All right. So I'll start. We'll go back to Chris. Again, this is optional. I don't know if you have anything, but do you have a best of decade favorite that you want to talk about? I do. 
this decade, the big highlight for me is the fact that I started podcasting. It has opened the door for me to grow as a game master. And for me, more importantly, it's opened up the door for me to meet a ton of new friends that I've grown really close with. And a lot of them, I really look forward to, you know, conversations like this. 2019 was kind of a not so great year for me. Herniating a disc in my back kind of put me on the shelf for a little while. And I really missed doing these type of things. So being able to do it again, I'm excited. I'm really invigorated and it's just been a highlight for me to grow as a, as a game master and grow my friendships with everybody. Tom, any best of decade? All right. Best of the decade. Okay. So my greatest thing of the decade is role-playing games because I only started playing role-playing games about five years ago. And I, when I discovered them, it w- it was the thing. I was like, okay, this is what I've been missing. This is like I'll, I've been I've read comic books and everything. I always thought about all these different stories or scenarios, and that I would I wrote fanfic, and it was just one of those things. I was like, role playing games. I discovered them. I have got to just hang out with my friends more because I see them more as they come over to my house to play games. I've got to meet all sorts of cool people, like Chris was saying. It's just it's a this hobby is all about interacting with people. It's something that you really, it's really hard to do by yourself. And so just being able to build these friendships is just like so many new friends, so many new cool things. I'm now, I got to meet Michael and now part of the Academy and doing a catacon and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And so it's role-playing games have been probably, I mean, obviously I got, Obviously, I got married and had a couple kids and everything. But if we're, ta- you know, we're talking about this yeah, game we're, stuff. Family's off the board. Because, role-playing games yeah. has been, <laughs> yes, role-playing games have been probably one of the greatest things of this decade. Uh, yeah, how young you are. I can't use married <laughs> or kids because that's all previous than. That's for next decade, okay? I'll be yeah. there. I, I can't use married, but I, I can use kids. But again, going to. Families off the board because obviously it should have been family for all of us, but we're just that wasn't even on the yep. boards. Yeah. That's we didn't neglect that. We just we decided not to do that. Um, so basically, my best of the decade is Hanabi. That oh is my, man, it is my favorite game. I absolutely love playing it every chance I get. All right, I'm being facetious. Actually, it's it's podcasting. I started the RPG Academy about eight years ago, so within this decade, and much like what Chris said, it changed my life. I agree. Drastically, for the better. Uh, The fact that I am friends with both of you, neither of those things would have happened if I did not start the podcast. Um, You know, there's tons, hundreds of people that I am now, I interact with, you know, dozens and dozens that I'm friends with, thousands that I have interacted with between all the Gen Con stuff I do, the Catacon stuff I do, panels, workshops, episodes. And it has, it's, it's given me, I don't want to say like a, a, a purpose, uh, but it's given me an avenue to, to do what I love, which is talk to people and, and help other people be their best in a hobby that I have loved since I was very little. And much like Chris said, I'm, I'm, way better of a game master now than I ever was when I first started telling other people how to do it because I have grown and learned from other people and I've tried to uh, assimilate everything that I come in contact with. I I try to evaluate it and see if this is something that I can use. I don't dismiss things out of hand. I don't just, you know, hand wave that I know how to do it. And the world that podcasting has opened up to me has been a joy, sometimes frustration, but it has been an absolute joy and I would not change it for the world. Uh, So again, thank you both for being part of that. Uh, And for anyone who happens to listen to this, you're the reason why we keep doing it. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. All right. So Tom, 2020, perfect vision. What are you looking forward to the most? Or if not the most, something you're looking forward to. So I'm looking forward to trying out a ton of new game systems. So, like I said, we're closing out our really long campaign. We'll be finished up probably probably in like three or four more sessions. And 
we have uh, we've already kind of got our docket together. We're going to run some shorter campaigns, some four to five session stuff, and we're going to try to bust out as many new systems as we can. So we're going to be on the table right now. We've got the we've got Legends of the Five Rings. We've got we're going to do some Forbidden Lands. We're going to try out some Star Wars. We're going to then do the Root RPG and then hopefully Nibiru. So all this kind of we're doing a, 2020 is the year of like all sorts of new games, not just one shots, but at my home group, we're going to do some shorter campaigns. So I'm really looking forward to this. Fantastic. That sounds nice. awesome, buddy. All right, Chris, what are you looking forward to in 2020? I can't confirm this rumor yet, but there's a rumor Ooh. that a podcast I was involved with is coming back. Ooh. And I am really looking forward to playing a creepy kind of self-centered, little bit manipulative character again. Uh, we had to put it on the shelf for a year due to, uh, well, A, my back, and B, some other personal stuff. But uh, myself, John, Danny, and Mike are talking about jumping back in and seeing what we can do in the old Shadow of the Demon Lord game. Ooh, that's awesome. That was a great show. I was very sad oh. to see it go on hiatus. Life gets in the way, man. Yeah. It does. Absolutely. Uh, but the fact that you're bringing it back. At a minimum, uh, if we can't do it as a podcast, we at least want to finish the game. In part because my character dropped so many hints as to what was going on with him that I think it's driving the other players crazy not knowing mm -hmm. what the actual plan was. Yeah, I'm super glad to hear that. Even if you all don't do it as a podcast, if just doing it as a group and just finishing it out is... Because it's so sad when you when there's a game that just doesn't finish. So whenever I hear somebody's like, "Yeah, we're gonna pick it back up and do it again," that's just it's super cool to hear. So hope I really do hope that you all can finish this out. Oh, me too. Uh, Terrell is by far my favorite character I've ever played. To to be manipulative and drop hints to things and not really tell the whole story was a super challenge. And, and if you'd seen my table when I'm playing, I've got no pads and pieces of paper everywhere as I've like okay this clue needs to be dropped but I want to do it this way and all the little notes I made for myself to help myself stay on track and not give out too much that was a lot of fun for me because it made me think about the game when not just when we're at the table but I'm sitting at work and I could think about the story and ooh, how do I want to drop this hint and how do I want to drop that hint and maybe I'll throw this curveball and it was a lot of fun as a player to be that manipulative of a character not mm -hmm. manipulating the <laughs> as the game, other but, manipulating yeah. Yeah. but having the character the manipulate puppet master yeah fantastic what about you michael um i'm gonna cheat because i have two okay because one of them may not happen and it, again it's it's kind of funny because we keep overlapping uh there have been conversations there have been plans tentatively set that myself, Scott, Caleb, and Porter are going to ring back our Fate Deadlands game. Nice. Which was like one of our original campaigns after the, the one with Evan died. We started playing Fate Deadlands. We did seven episodes. Still some of the most fun games we've ever had on the site. And Porter ended up moving out of the country. And again, life got in the way. We had to put the show on hiatus. And there is a, I'll say right now, I'd say it's probably like 40, 60 that we are able, we're going to put this together and we actually get back together. Even if it doesn't become a forever campaign, I want to try to do like wrap it up, like get, get that story completed because it, it ends on a crazy cliffhanger. If anyone's ever listened to them, it, it ends just where you want it to end only if there is another episode coming after. Hmm. So my actual thing I'm looking forward to is a Catacon 2020. Um, again, I, I know it's, I'm a broken record, but last year was so great. I, part of me, the, 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 the pessimist in me wants to see if it was a fluke and the optimist in me is like, no, that is the way it's going to go and only get better year after year. So I've already done a ton of work. The Kickstarter's pretty much done. I've already got some of the artwork from JDOT coming in for the logos. I've been working on just all the stuff that... I get stressed out on, I'm doing slowly and doing early. So I have them done 
and uh, it's going to be amazing. And coincidentally, my third thing is KSR goes live the day of our faculty retreat starts, which again is one of my favorite weekends of the year. So 2020 is looking pretty good right now. Nice. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> no, it's good to be. It's good. No, you know what? You say you're like a broke record, but a catacon, it's good to be enjoy what you're passionate about. So, you know, ride that wave, Michael. I already have the vacation approved for a catacon. I put it in January 1st. Well, technically January 2nd. Uh, I love putting in vacation and then telling people, yeah, I'm going to Dayton, Ohio for vacation. <laughs> That's, I know. People do ask me that. Where are you going? Dayton. In November? Dayton, Ohio. Well, why not? <laughs> the the, uh, line, the yeah. lines are always really short. That's what I tell people. Yep. That's Fantastic. right. All right. Awesome. That's well, it. Thank you again both so much for everything you've done over the last few years, tonight, all the things that you will do in the future. So, Chris, any final words before we wrap up for the night? Just looking forward to continuing to podcast and talk with you guys. Looking forward to the faculty retreat and a catacon. Looking forward to the next season of Letterkenny. I have you to blame for that, Michael. I have oh, my God. I've that. already watched it. It's it's you, It came episode. out like three days ago. I've already watched every yeah. episode. I haven't. Uh, I couldn't figure out how to tie that in as a role-playing game, but my wife and I are addicted to it, so oh, that's your fault. It's so, so funny. How y'all are you now? <laughs> <laughs> Not so bad? Oh, my God. All right, Tom, any final words from you, sir? I, no. Um, I Like I said, Michael, thanks for having me on. Don't always, I have to drop it, you know. Definitely don't forget to check us out on Twitch the rpg academy and watch ghost of salt marsh it's very cool you know smash that like and subscribe button people soon to be an audio only podcast as well on our regular rss feed so that's if you like right. what you're hearing you can jump in and, and catch up and watch it live that's right uh and then just for me again as always thank you everyone who listens and my my goal for this year because i have had such a great track record of setting goals and them coming true meaning like never I want to get to 220 iTunes reviews. We are currently at 127 because we did get a new one just today. So we need 93 more. That's roughly two a week. We have plenty enough listeners. Now, I know listeners listen in different places, and that's part of the issue as well. But please, if you have access to iTunes, and even if it means borrowing a friend work at, a phone from work or getting on a, a Windows computer, Take the couple minutes, go and leave us a rating, give us a review if you have time to do that. Um, but as much as I love what we do and as much success as we've had, the fact that we've been doing this as long as we have, the fact that we only have 127 reviews is kind of a, uh, astounding, I should say, compared to other shows that I consider us peers with and the number of reviews that they have based off the number of listeners. So please, this is my my pleading of you, pretty, pretty, pretty please, Give us a review, give us a rating, help us get to 220, which will get us back on the iTunes charts and get us in front of more and more people. Nice. So with that, let's all say good night. We'll do the awkward wave out, even though no one's good watching. Night. And uh, hope you have an excellent 2020 as well. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy Michael. podcast. Yes. Don't forget. If you're, if having, you're having fun, fun you're, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. <laughs> I'll put that after the, uh, <laughs> wait, see, I always forget that every time you, you think I would remember. It's only like the most thing we say every time. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, 
You'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.